0: Into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. Amen. Please be seated. One season of the church year uh, called Epiphany. An Epiphany is a moment when the divine reveals itself to us, or in the case of the New Testament, a moment when Jesus reveals himself to us. Epiphany is accompanied by a sudden feeling that we understand or suddenly become conscious of something that's very important to us. In the church year, Epiphany is divided into two unequal parts. The first and briefer part of Epiphany that we are presently celebrating is something of an introduction to and preparation for the holiest and most important part of the church year, Lent and Holy Week. And this little prelude contains uh, some accounts of happenings that reveal there are epiphanies of who Jesus really is. The journey of the Magi to pay homage to the child who was born King of the Jews, bringing with them gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. The baptism of Jesus by John, which begins Jesus' ministry and leads to his death, including the descent of the Holy Spirit and the voice of God heard from heaven, saying, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. The transfiguration, where Jesus is wholly transformed into light before three of his disciples and is seen talking with the Hebrew prophets Moses and Elijah. In the midst of all of this splendor, we find our gospel reading from Luke this morning. In this reading, near the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he returns to his hometown after some initial early successes in the surrounding countryside, reads a passage from Isaiah that we heard last week, responds to some comments from those present, and so enrages those listening to him that they try to kill him. This reading is accompanied by two readings that talk about God's protection, which makes perfect sense, and by what is perhaps the best-known passage in the New Testament, Paul's praise of the gift of love, which he says is the greatest spiritual gift of all, greater even than faith or hope. In some ways, though, our reading for Luke this morning is the perfect counterpoint to the other, more splendid epiphanies of Jesus that we hear about in this season. Those splendid epiphanies emphasize Jesus as the Son of God, as divine. This reading, along with others in this season, emphasize Jesus as the Son of Man, as fully human. We are dealing with the human Jesus of Nazareth in these seemingly more mundane stories, but of course, Since Jesus is also the Son of God at the same time that he's the Son of Man, his divinity kind of keeps shining through. Although Jesus of Nazareth is a human being just like we are, he can and does suffer and die after all. In some ways, he's decidedly not like we are. For example, at the beginning of his talk in the synagogue, Jesus reads the passage from Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, he says, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the release to the captives, and recovering of the sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he sits down and says, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. He you talks like that, and this way of talking is typical of Jesus. So much so that it astounds his listeners. We hear, for example, they were all amazed, so that they questioned themselves, saying, "What thing is this?" And immediately his fame spread uh, throughout the region. And in today's reading, all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. In point of fact, Jesus could not help being known. He could not conceal who he really was. More than this, Jesus was present to those around him in a way that was unique and unforgettable. What comes to mind immediately is is miracles, healings, exorcisms, raising people from the dead, commanding people to follow him. And of course, the supreme example is his death and resurrection. A minor example of this is that though the town folks in our reading for this morning wanted to kill him by throwing him off a cliff, He passed through the midst of them and went on his way. Jesus was among the people of his time as the Lord, the King, and he brought the kingdom with him. And he is this from the first appearance in the Gospels to the last. He knew who he was. He knew where he was going. And this is what kept shining through in his life And death and resurrection for those who had eyes to see. Jesus was fully human as all around him were, as all of us are here this morning, but he did not enjoy and exercise divine sovereignty or authority or omnipotence, but at the same time he was its full and direct witness. And this is what marks Jesus off from all others. He was a completely free human being. Nothing on earth or in heaven exercised authority over him, except his Father in heaven. He had only one imperative in his life, to do the will of the one who sent him. Subject to this one imperative, Jesus came and went with absolute superiority, deposing and controlling, speaking or keeping silence, always exercising lordship. And this is what made him absolutely unique and unforgettable. Well, it would be a bit of an understatement to say that Jesus' way of being in the world met with a mixed response. The truth is that as the Lord, Jesus also comes as the judge. His existence is not in any way neutral. He divided people. He still does. He makes demands. He still does. He commands people to follow him. The kingdom of God is drawn near, he said, and says, repent and believe the good news. And do you suppose that I am come to be peace on the earth? No, but rather a sword. People do not like being judged. And it doesn't matter whether that is a true judgment or not. In in fact, maybe people do not like being judged particularly when it's a true judgment. We react poorly often becoming enraged as many of Jesus' listeners uh, did on this occasion, and others, and tried to kill him. It's amazing how quickly we humans turn to violence when things don't go the way we want them to. I experienced this uh, myself uh, last week on my way home from work, so just a little vignette here. I was heading home after a long day, already dreaming about what I was doing that evening. and My way home goes through school zone. And although I do slow down, I tend to stay 10k over the speed limit as I regularly do when I'm driving. So I was going about 40k. There's was a fellow on a bike in front of me in the middle of the road, traveling about half that speed. I must confess to being an impatient driver. So instead of just gritting my teeth for the extra minutes it would take me to get home, I quickly sped around the bike and continued on my way. Checking in my rearview mirror, I see this fellow who was barely moving a few seconds ago chasing after me. Uh Uh-oh. There were a couple of cars ahead of me at the bus stop, or at the stop sign. So I stopped behind them, and the the bicyclist Rolled by me, slammed on his brakes, got off his bike, pushed the front wheel of his bike between my car and the car in front of me. He's glowering at me and I knew mean he was determined to have a confrontation that I was determined not to get into. The cars in front of me moved forward as the first car went through the stop sign and I followed, bumping the cyclist's bike out of my way in the process. He was shocked and then enraged as I pulled up beside him. We stared at each other for a moment or two, and then he punched my car door window as hard as he could. Luckily for both of us, the window did not break. It must have hurt his fist. I took some consolation in that. (laughs) The car of me moved on through the stop sign, and I followed suit, again, leaving my outraged cyclist friend with the hurling fist standing in the middle of the road. And this isn't a particularly edifying story, and I'm not sure that I really handled things particularly well, but it does show how easily and how quickly things can get out of hand between people when things don't go our way. Well, if things between two ordinary people can get this out of hand this quickly, imagine how much more things can get out of hand when one of those persons acts as Jesus does? It's hardly surprising that one of the common responses to Jesus' was and is, who the hell does he think he is? And you know, that's almost the right question. The right question isn't, who does he think he is? The right question is, who do I think he is? Jesus does not have to justify himself to us. We have to justify ourselves to him. Jesus does not have to measure up to our critique and our judgment. We have to measure up to his. And we do not, and we cannot measure up, so we are judged and found wanting. And this is exactly what enrages folks about Jesus. It always has, and it always will. Nevertheless, what Christians know is that to be judged and to be found wanting by Jesus is also to be forgiven and to be raised to new life. It is to be judged and found wanting and forgiven and raised to new life by the love of God in human form. Jesus was and is and always will be the Lord, the love of God in the flesh. Our judge is also our Savior, and he loves us so much that he died for us. He is the one in whose service we are at last, perfectly free. He loves us into loving, and smiles us into smiling. Amen.